is this right that you were a rookie bodybuilder at age 50? Oh, God. <laughs> can, can, no, come on, come yes. on. Yes. yes, that's absolutely a fact. Hi, and welcome to the Compassionate Achiever Podcast. I'm Tracy Day. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Chris Cook. Hello there. Hello, 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 Tracy. How are you? Oh, All rested well. up huh. after a nice little snow day yesterday? It was a snow day. Well, that's where we get back to the shoveling thing that we talked about <laughs> before and, and yes. clear, clearing it out. So, you know, it's it was okay. I, I got a lot of work done, so that was good. I was able to catch up on a bunch of different things, which That's really works. Thing. But I'm psyched for our guest today. He's a crazy madman who had, does some crazy great stuff. And um, I, I, I had a good fortune to be on his uh, radio show and podcast. And I'm going to say, I haven't even met him in person, but I love the man. I love him. <laughs> there you go. I absolutely love him. Well, I've talked to him for, what, all of three seconds, and <laughs> I think I love him, too, more than anything, because he's a Spartan. Oh, 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 oh. You know what? There's this husband that I, I, I got to... Oh, he's not a Spartan. Okay. No, he isn't. No, no, he is not. Uh, well, for those listeners who do not know, my co-host, Dr. Chris Cook, is a political and social science professor at Western Connecticut State University, who, by the way... I had the day off for snow yesterday. <laughs> That's what we're referring to. He's the founder of the Center for Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation. He's a Fulbright Scholar, Harvard Fellow, and an ex-counterintelligence officer. But his latest project has been writing the book, The Compassionate Achiever, How Helping Others Fuels Success. And Tracy, her background is in marketing, advertising, and foreign affairs. She's also an award-winning radio and talk show host, and we've teamed up to interview compassionate achievers from different walks of life, and we have one awesome compassionate achiever today. Absolutely. Tom, Matt, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, guys. I'm humbled by the uh, the energy and the uh, introduction, so I appreciate it very much. And, you know, Fulbright Scholar, I hope I measure up. <laughs> oh, believe me, I'm I'm I sit across from him all the time. I feel like you know who's the little guy in the room. It's like, <laughs> but I mean, but you know what? He's Chris, humble about it, so it's all good. Chris brings it. Chris brings the energy. That's for sure, Tracy. He that's for darn sure. Definitely <laughs> does. And so I have heard about you as yes. well, Tom. So you have a radio and a talk show and a podcast, right? Called Boomers Rock. Tell us about that. What? Tell us what you do with that. Well, that we cover about 10 different categories to help people achieve whatever they want to achieve with growing older in, uh, in their adult lives. I mean, I call it middle living between 40 and 85 or superior seniors, which would be 86 and up. Anyone in that demographic, although the last couple of years since we've been on broadcast radio, uh, I, I do work at the University of Michigan State University, as you said, you know, so the, the go green, go white. Yes. And um, <laughs> so I'm around students a lot. And as a personal trainer, I do some coaching and, and I've written some books. And, and I'm really into the uh, intergenerational play because I've been very um, down on, uh, you know, Time Magazine comes out with this. Those darn boomers, they won't retire. And, you know, they, they, the uh, millennials can't find a job and so forth and so on. And I just want to build this this intergenerational love. So I've just finished another book that's coming out that's uh, called Generation Us. But the radio program helps talk about all of these different categories from finance to fitness to nutrition to anything that can improve someone's quality of life. We talk about it. And actually, the way it all began, um, which is kind of ironic, and I just thought of it, is 
there were two guys from Connecticut about seven years ago who were looking. They started this all fitness radio streaming network thing. It was all internet-based, but it was live and it was streamed. And they needed a baby boomer fitness guy. And I was an author, and I thought they were just looking for a, for a guest. And I was trying to be a guest on a show to promote my first book. And um, we had a long conversation. They said, hey, how would you like to be a host for a radio show or a streaming show on, on Baby Boomer Fitness? And I said, well, as a personal trainer, I think that would be pretty cool, but how would we do that? And that's where it all began. It started with really a fitness angle, and I quickly realized that talking three days a week live, an hour talk show about fitness and baby boomers and middle living is not going to carry very very long as, as far as a scale and scope goes. So I evolved into, I asked the guys, I said, okay, if we start going into this quality of life, area and they said sure as long as you always circle back and that was seven years ago and so now we are we produce our own content we're on seven stations in uh, the michigan market all over the state and we do our podcast which is on our website uh, boomersrock.us and uh, of course on itunes and it's just been a uh, you know one of those things it's bootstrapped entrepreneurship my wife sandy does pre-production work and uh, gets everything scheduled. We still both have our full-time jobs. We're getting closer to that point in our lives where we, you know, we'll talk about retirement down the road a ways, but we're empty nesters and uh, have a couple of grandchildren. And so there are a lot of people out there that are in the 40 to 75, 85-year-old area of their lives that need to be encouraged about learning and getting better and, and taking that transitional career. And so this is what we talk about. And so when I find good guests or I listen to good podcasts, I listen to Matt Bodner and the science of success. I love Matt. I had him on my show. I listened to Chris's interview with Matt about five times going to the gym in the morning <laughs> because it was so good. And I mean, I was, this guy was like talking to me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's so great. I got to get him on my show. And so I reached out and lo and behold, I get a call on our house phone, which Typically, no one ever calls that phone anymore because we don't use those, you know, we don't use our landline. Because well, no one Chris. has house phones anymore. No, well, I'm kidding. Well, I'm kidding. And it was Chris, and he left a nice message on there, and he, he was traveling, and his book is doing really well. And he said, you know, I've got some commitments coming up, but I, I would love to do this. And so this is how relationships go. And as we become compassionate achievers and do the things that, Chris talks about with empathy and compassion in the world to help other people get better. That's the key to everything. And if you want to get better, I'm a non-traditional student. I went back to school at 40. I've had drug and alcohol issues. I've had these different phases of my life. We can talk about that later in the show if you want. But as we grow, we can continue to get better. And that's the whole thing. I learned as a non-traditional student at MSU that all of the professors that helped me achieve my undergraduate degree that I had dropped out of college long ago on and my graduate degree, my master's degree, once I finished that work in 2009, I realized that without the people helping me and being compassionate towards my self-improvement, that I would have never achieved that. And that's when things started to come to fruition with all of these other things. So I highly encourage people, if you're thinking about going back to school, do it. Take the class. Take Even if you just, you're auditing a class, just do it. Just get involved. You're going to meet more people. Meeting people and staying connected is so vitally important. So, you know, long story short, you got a guy on this show today, everybody, that 
he could talk. So I'm going to let you guys ask me some questions. But yeah, does that answer does that answer that question for you, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it does, and more. That and, was great. Right? Not only are you an author and you have uh, this amazing radio show and podcast, but something that that I you know I grabbed out that uh, Tracy found out about you that I didn't know. And, and, and Tracy and I share, we, we use this thing called the Evernote. And so she, she wrote up that, is this right that you were a rookie bodybuilder at age 50? Oh, God. <laughs> can, no, come on, come yes, on. Yes, yes, that's absolutely a fact. Yes, because I got certified as a trainer and I knew that I needed to set a, a, a big goal. And I wanted to see, I've always had kind of a thought, you know, maybe you could do this kind of thing. Never really had the aspiration, but wanted to just just do it. And I had a friend, I have a friend, not had, have, very, very good friend, Chris Johnson from On Target Living, and he's done probably 10 or 12 throughout his life. He's about three, four years older than me. I'm 58 now. He's he's probably close to 60, if not 60 now. And he, uh, he said, you know what? You should do this show with me. I'll help coach you. And we did the... Um, we did the senior division of a natural bodybuilding show in uh, in Flint in 2011, I believe it was, or 2010, I forget now. But, um, yeah, as a rookie, I was almost 51 years old, and it was the most frightening thing I'd ever done in my life. And to go out on a stage in front of 500 people in something smaller than your underwear, painted like <laughs> painted like a clown, and just all ripped up and greased up like a, like a crazy man. And the lights are so bright you can't see the people in the in the audience. And my daughter's out there and she's hooping and hollering and yelling and you know it's it was uh, interesting. And I, I I tell you the truth, I completely I had two dance routines because this was like a dance routine you had to do at the night show. Um, one was just this crazy fly around, and the other one was just like posing like traditional. And I didn't know which one I was going to do. So I decided at the last second, as I'm walking on the stage, go for it, go for it. So I did that. I did the dance routine and the place went nuts. And I came off stage completely. I was like, I completely blacked out. I didn't realize, I couldn't remember what I'd done. And my friend was there and he goes, that was awesome. That was great. And I said, I don't remember a thing. I mean, (laughs) it was just so spontaneous. But that's the thing about having these goals and enabling beliefs and doing these types of things. It just shows you, I, I don't show, show that picture very often, but it's on the website. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting and fun. And I told Sandy, I might do another one when I'm turning 60 in a couple of years. And she said, there's no way. Because I, was such, <laughs> I was such a pain in her butt with my food and my training and all this. And plus we're busy now. And so, yeah, Chris, you should do one. Uh, moving on. <laughs> we would go. We, we would support you. Oh. Only if you do the dance routine. That's what I, I want to see. No, that's awesome. Uh, you know, you know what? I'll, I'll talk to my manager, Pete, later. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, before I with your manager. <laughs> oh, no, if no, Tracy's no. my manager, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of things I don't want to do. <laughs> now, the listeners, the listeners to this podcast are like, "Oh my gosh, what did they bring into? What did they bring online this time? Oh my gosh, I'm hooked. I love this show. This is so great." <laughs> and that's what we strive for: is what are they going to bring yeah, on next? Exactly. How can compassion go into this? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, before we get too far off, though, I want to go back to your book, Generation Us, 
Um, and I just can't even believe I, this is like the number one thing to never do. My phone is going off in the background. Yes, that is me. I thought it was on silent. So anyway, forgive me on that one. Uh, but let's talk, Tom, about Generation Us. Tell us what it's about. What, how is it different from your other books? Well, this is completely different. This is an anthology where I have 14 people that contributed pieces, um, articles, essays, whatever you want to call them. I'd always had the dream of doing um, publishing because we're independently published, which another thing that if you want to be become out in the world, being independently published, self-published is, is really it's pretty cool. And it's uh, it gets you in the market and the Internet has completely leveled the playing field. So Generation Us is completely different in that. It is an anthology. I have a lot of my, I have written a lot of different pieces for the book myself. But I came up with this, um, I was asked to do a speaking engagement at the University of Michigan for a small department and um, for some nurses. And they said they had heard me talking about, I was at another speech and I talk about building the bridge, which is a, a series of episodes on the radio program where I bring in younger adults and we talk about how we build this collaborative environment, community, collaboration, compassion, cooperative, you know, mindsets. And um, the nurse asked me, would you do a speech for us? We're looking for a speaker on intergenerational um, relationships because we're having problems at work. And they have, you know, because we have four and five different generations that are possibly in the workplace nowadays. And I said, sure. So I put it together as a speaking engagement. And I had no, I had no idea I was going to write this book. I mean, I wanted to do the speaking engagements, and in the front of the book, in the very, in the preface of the book, I talk about how this book almost never came to be because it was my coaches and my friends, my mentors, who told me you need to do this book. This is really a great idea. We love this title to your speech. This is really applicable. And I, I thought I, I said, ah, you know, I don't think so. And then I had a dream. And I woke up and I said, I got to do this book. This book is so needed right now. So I started. The thing is, is you got to coordinate all these people and you got to pitch the idea to all these different people. And they're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't. So I'm, I'm establishing relationships with all of these people that I know from my guests to college students to colleagues at work to all of these different people. And it's like wrote up the outline, here's what we need, I want to get 800 to 2,000 words from you, and let's do this thing. And so what I did for the speaking engagement is I, I had this idea on my, what I call the B-ism list, Tracy, was B-isms. Be something. Be compassionate. Be empathetic. Be grateful. Be, and I came up with this huge list. I, I made it up over a couple of months. And I had a lunch with these four college students at Michigan State. I told them about the speaking engagement, and I showed them the graphics that I had done, the slides that I would already had produced by Miranda Miller, our graphic designer. And this was all for the speaking engagement. And the students, I said, I need you guys to come up with some B-isms, as I call them. And they did. And so I looked at their B-isms, and I had already written about 80 B-isms, as I say. Like I just said, compassion, empathy, all these different B-isms. And their B-isms were totally different than mine. I didn't have not one of them. They came up with 30, and I didn't have not one of them. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is the deal. This is why the younger generation, and we need to collaborate with them because they think in a different place than we do. As much as I want to be involved with this, I didn't even think. And I have two children. I have a daughter who's 31, another daughter who's 21. I have young people I'm around all the time at the college and everything. 
and I didn't think of any of these B-isms. So that was the genesis of Generation Us is the B-isms, and I want to do Generation Us as a series of books so that we could have Generation Us Fitness, we could have Generation Us Nutrition, we could have Generation Us Children, we could have Generation Us, all these different, I see it as a big, this is just the entry point, so I call this one Living, Loving, Learning, Building Benevolent Togetherness. That's the title of this first book in the Generation Us um, mantle, as I like to call it. And so I just, I look at this, I see it as something that's very, very needed in society, that we can make the world a better place, kind of like what Chris is doing with the Compassionate Achiever. If we can be compassionate, if we can be a good listener, if we can be helpful, if we can be a good parent, if we can give back and be grateful, then we can have a better world. And there's so much opportunity out there. I mean, I'm talking to you guys right now, and it's like, look at look at how this stuff works. I reach out to Chris. I hear his podcast on Matt Bodner, who I love, Matt. Hear Chris's thing, let's do it five times, get a hold of Chris, Chris contacts me. This is how it works, everybody. Be available, be ready, be anxious, and be compassionate. Love that. And can I can I follow up on, on something? Can you give us, uh, Tom, something that, you know, uh, was the difference between the B-isms of our generation versus the a B-ism uh, from the millennials that, you know, maybe the listeners can see this spectrum, the, the difference? Or were, were, sure. was it not a spectrum? Was it just simple overlap, but from a different angle? Um, I, I think there's some grist in there that I think, you know, it would be really, you know, important to learn from you. Well, I, one of the one of the beisms that I had was was um, be creative, and I had one of my friends. He because he I shared the list with people, and I said pick one and 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 write with it. So be creative was one that I had, and one of my one of my colleagues wrote. He's an artist and a, and a poet, and he contributed some things to the book Nick Tirina, and so be creative was one of mine, and. One of the one of the students came up with be respectful, and I asked her. I said, "Where did that come from?" And she said, "Well, she's the youngest person. Her name is Samantha Medved, and she's uh, helps me with a group exercise class that I that I uh, lead at MSU in in the mornings." And um, I said, "Well, what does that mean to you, Samantha?" She said, "Well, I'm the youngest employee. This kid's got a darn near a full time job, full time student, just a great kid, and." Um, She's the youngest person, and she works at a nursing home, and she works in the kitchen. And she said, people don't respect me because I'm young. And so mm. she wrote about being respectful. And I had never, you know, I, of course you think about being respectful, but coming from a younger perspective, that's, like, very impactful. And so it's like, wow, okay. Uh, one of my other friends, one of my other college friends, Carrie, she came up with Be Courageous wow, be courageous from a young person. It's like, these are things that I just, I'm just, you kind of take them for granted. You think of, mm. well, of course you're going to be courageous. But this is something that they added. This come from, came from them. So I included the whole list in the book to share with people just kind of understanding that having the different B-isms from the different generations helps us understand and illustrate that we have so much potential out there and they have so much to give to us we have so much to give to them that if we can reciprocate be reciprocate be reciprocating if you can give back and take and give and take 
all of these things can happen. You can, there's so much we can learn from young people. It's crazy. But there's so much that they can learn from us. It's really crazy. So it's like, but you have to be understanding. It's like me with text messaging and email. I write like an old guy, okay? I'm 58, <laughs> and I hate to say that. I hate to use an ageism term, but the, but the students taught me that text messages should be short and concise, and that email should be short and concise, and they hate email, and they love text messaging. And it's like, okay, I used to write these text messages to my friends. And Chris, you're on our text group. You know, yeah. we send out those quotes every day. Right. Um, that's going to be the next book. You're welcome. But the thing is, is <laughs> you want to keep these things short. So, I mean, I get really wordy, obviously. And I'm not, I've never considered myself a writer. I consider myself a talker who writes. And that's how I explain to people, you know, the writing sounds. Like, if you can hear my voice in my writing then I've done my job. And this book is different in that it you can't really edit it too much because it's 14 different people writing essays and me writing, you know, 15 other articles. And so 50,000 plus words, and I think it really resonates. And so we broke it into sections, Chris, where it's living, loving, and learning. And each of the submissions, we fit those into those sections to fit the Generation Us theme. So that's, that's the whole... In a in a big nutshell, that's a, that's Generation Us. Very cool. Yeah, I like that, and I love the way you brought up um, the woman that said, or girl, I don't know how old she is, but um, you said she's very young, and she suggested being respectful. So instantly, in my head, see, this is where I need to get out of my box. Is that I'm thinking, be respectful to elders, not be yes. respectful to younger people, and I think they deserve it. They really do. I mean, there's so many things that they bring to the table. Um, you know, in just in looking at a doctor um, the other day, there was one, I was looking at two different ones, and one was, you know, older and very experienced, whatever. The newer one, uh, and, and was really quite young, but she's listed as one of the top docs and whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, but a lot of times they bring new things to the table that can just, you know, maybe she doesn't have that experience of 50 years of being in the medical profession. But um, like you said, you know, they think out of the box. They, they just approach things differently. And I think that we really can learn from one another. And I love the idea of your book. That's, that's oh, terrific. Thank you so, so much. So when is it coming well, out again, and how can people be, find it? The e-version, the e-version will be out the end of this month, which is January of 2018. The print version, because of the layout. See, we do all of the design and everything ourselves, and we have our own graphic design team. And we, we want to publish. That's the whole point of the Boomers Rock Media business is we want to produce other people's works. We, we've done these EPUBs and it's, have done four books. It'll be out the end of the month and then the print version will be done and probably we're hoping for April. So it takes a little bit more time to get that all laid out, but it'll be on Amazon like my other books are on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it'll be in their create space area for the print version and print on demand is super cool. And I want to back up just a second. The, the, the young woman I was talking about, Samantha, she's 20 years old now. So wow. it's like to be the youngest person at a uh, at a nursing home and working in the kitchen is, you know, 20 years old is not like you're 12. I mean, it's you're an adult. And mm-hmm. so to be not respected in that aspect is very, uh, 
you you just say, really? Wow, that's kind of hard to believe, but it, it happens. And so, and I and I love what you say, Tracy, with being respectful to our superior seniors. That's why I came up with the different categories. Because see, in my life, with my drug and drinking problems for twenty years, I've had. I have this thing where I, and when I talk to groups, I say, okay, we have four phases of our life. We have our, our young adulthood, adolescent period. We have our our middle adulthood, which is the 18 to 38 or young adult, whatever, however you want to categorize that, because that's that's when I got, you know, through my drinking and drugging times. Then we have the middle living, which is the big window. That's the 40 to 85 window. And then you have the superior seniors, 86 and up. And that's the thing about respecting the seniors, superior seniors. You make it to 86, I want to hang out with you because you know what's going on and you've got a lot of wisdom. And I love people. I, I've interviewed lots of people who have family, parents, grandparents that are in their late 80s, 90s, and they're still going strong. And it's like, you know, centenarians are the biggest growing, fastest growing demographic in our country, people over 100 years old. And there's going to be a lot of us out there, and I plan on living way past 100, And but you've got to have quality of life because no one wants to be a burden on their family or on society. No way. So we have to help each other get better. We have to do the little things, incremental change. You have to have the enabling beliefs. You have to kick the limiting beliefs to the curb, or you want to have liberating truths, as I've just read recently. You want to have these things happening in your life because the inner voice will always kind of chip at you in the back of your mind if you don't have balance. And it can mm-hmm. say, you know, I remember I think I told you, Chris, I, I named my, my inner voice Tommy. <laughs> I told one of my psychologist friends, you know, my inner voice is Tommy. When I'm in balance with my inner voice, we're getting along great because I want my inner voice to be talking me up, not talking me down. And so that's the whole thing about all of this stuff. It's like we've got so much potential, and we can grow and do all these good things. That's the thing that drew me to Chris, because I'm listening to Chris talk. It's like this guy's talking to me directly in my ear. I've got to get to know this guy. And look, at now we're friends, and we'll continue to have conversations like this and Tracy, and it's just it's a wonderful time to be alive. That's all. That's just the way I live. It is. Well, Tom, we love to give our listeners some tools. We always say about how um, they can become compassionate achievers. So, and since you've brought it up, I'm going to go back to it. You said that you were a problem drinker and a drug abuser before. How did you get out of that? What kind of tools did you use? Because that's not an easy thing. That's not easy. No. So how did you do that? I wound up going into therapy. First off, I knew at 38 years old that I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had never gotten into trouble. I had had good jobs my whole life, and I was a single parent, but I just wasn't feeling good, and I just my confidence was sinking. I wasn't involved with I was a single parent at the time, and it was about two years before Sandy and I reconnected. And I just decided that I was tired of being like this. I wanted to make a change. And so... I was dating a person who said that we would never be together. And I said, why, why, why? And she said, because of your drinking. And that was a, clearly a point when I started to really think, oh, my gosh, this is really going to affect my life. And then my sister-in-law saw me, and, and it, she had this look. We were up at my dad's. My dad had a cottage up north in northern Michigan. And I had, I was just hammered. I mean, I you know, it was up north. It's a weekend. You know, that's the thing. You just get hammered. And, that's normal. And I walked into the cottage and she looked at me and she had this 
very, very sad look on her face, like, what a waste. This guy has so much potential. And I knew then, I said, oh, that's it. I've had it. So I called my doctor. I didn't have insurance for this, but I told him, I said, I need to get in to see a therapist. I know, I, I, I just knew it. I knew, I went to AA, and I did not feel like I fit in, although I went to AA, and I felt like I was lying because all these people are addicted. And when I went into therapy, my therapist, God love him, he he was the one who helped me untangle the tangled thread in my head, as he would say, the tangled string. And he said, Tom, you're a problem drinker. Because I quit drinking and nothing, I had no effect. I mean, there was no DTs, there was no shakes, there was no sick, there was nothing. And so I'm like, this is the insidious thing about a problem drinking and understanding how your brain works is the key. And that's why I love therapists so much. And guys like Chris, you know, these therapists, Tracy, they are the best. I mean, I've interviewed more therapists on my show. I think it's because I just love talking to therapists. It's great, you know, it's a great holistic cure-all for everything. But that was the key, was getting into therapy and understanding how my brain worked, why I had OCD-like uh, behaviors, understanding that I had a 50s-style mentality, understanding that problem drinking, that I could never go back to it because problem drinkers always think that they don't have a problem because they can start and stop whenever they want. And so that's the insidious thing about the difference between alcoholism and problem drinking. Mm -hmm. And every time I speak out, Chris, every time I speak in a, in a live event, I always have, as a matter of fact, I had one last week, I had two or three people send me email. Now, for people to do this, strangers, to send you a note and say, thank you so much for your story because you've helped me, my family's having this, can I lean on you? And I'm absolutely always there for anyone. Anyone listening to this podcast, if you need to get a hold of me as far as an email or a phone call, if it comes to drug and alcohol abuse, I'm all about it. I'm all about helping people. Just having a friend who's been there and getting through it. And in July, July 27th of this year, it'll be 20 years that I've been sober. And so 20 years of drinking. Thank you so much. 20 years of drinking, Chris and Tracy, and now 20 years of being sober, and it's been the best thing that could have ever happened. And that's the thing about incremental change and incremental growth. All of these little things start to add up. And as you move in life, your confidence gets stronger. And so the drinking and the drugging, I had to decide on my own, that was it. I'm done. I want to have a better life. And that's it. You have to become accountable. Once you become accountable, get the help. There are so many good people out there that can help you. Listen to good podcasts, read good books, talk to people. But you're going to have to, you may have to prune some people out of your life because you know what? Misery loves company. And uh, that is an absolute fact. But it's okay because you will be okay. And I decided, because I was worried about it. There's no question. I mean, I thought, oh my gosh, I'll lose all my friends. I won't be able to do, you know, I won't be able to do this. You have the limiting beliefs. Well, guess what? If I can do it, anyone can do it. So thank you for asking about the question. And I can go on and on and on about this topic. But uh, all I want to leave people with is if you think you have a problem, give yourself a month. Take a month. Take a month off. If you can't take a month off, you might want to talk, you might want to, talk to a doctor. You might want to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And you might want to get some advanced help with this because if you can't take a month off, there might be a problem there. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to preach or anything, but that's my rule of thumb. If you can't take a month off, plus you're going to lose weight. 
So if you want to lose weight, there you go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. The, the side benefit. The side, of- <laughs> the, the good side effect of that. And you brought up about um, leaving. You had to leave people out of your life. Maybe many, those people right. that were, you know, your buddies, or you're encouraging each other to drink, or whatever. Or it's just a lifestyle that, like you said, you went up north, and that's what you do. That's the normal thing to do. So sometimes we do have to change our sphere of people. And and I think this is true, too, about um, the people that lift you up and those people that bring you down. We all know people that are the naysayers. And <clears throat> unfortunately, those are the people that tend, and, and maybe this is just me, but they tend to ring louder in my head. You know, when you when you have an idea um, and you want to do it and, you know, somebody says, oh, you know, you can't do that. You know, but 12 people tell you, yes, you can do that. And I'm, I'm like, yes, of course I can do that. <laughs> but then that one little, you know, voice creeps back in your head. And there's there's some phrase and Chris, you probably are, you know, know this, but um, something about it takes 12 positive uh comments to negate one negative or something yeah but, well from the outside right it, yeah but, but you know tom said something that was, is really important and he talks about his inner voice mm-hmm. right and that inner voice can make all the difference in the world and i think you know, you know tom said a lot in there and that one that one part when specifically your your um uh conundrum and, and let's have tom come back in is the is that idea of the inner voice that if you believe you can do it so as, as, as you know, my youngest has been going through some serious medical issues. And to hear him say under his breath before the doctor is taking more blood or something that I can do this, I can do anything, I can do anything. And he's pumping himself up, mm, right? So he's relying important. on his inner resilience. And when you have that inner resilience and that belief in yourself that the naysayers become either one, I think, fuel to prove them wrong, right? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Or yeah, two, good way to look at it. Um, it's so funny. I will forget people's names who are very negative because I try to block them out. And so when I see them later, I will actually forget their names. And you know I'm pretty good with names. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> and, You're but very good. When it's yes. somebody negative, I purposely block them out. And it's, it's become a ha- I don't even think about it anymore. And I notice that I forget their names when I see them later. That's but it's funny. either one or the other. It's, I noticed that. And, and it goes back to what Tom said, um, building that um, inner voice. I don't know. What do you think, Tom? How well, does your Tommy that, talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the whole thing about the inner voice, Chris, and thank you for, for everything you said. And I hope that your uh, is it your son or your daughter? My son, my, my youngest son. I hope, and, I, and I hope your son... Had, continues to have that confidence. See these young people, they're so resilient. If you put the right seeds inside of them and you help them, they can be just powerhouses. And they can teach us so much. So I hope I hope, um, and I wish that your son does well with his treatment and his illness, and, and I so. wish him the best and all of that. But I changed my top ten list from my top three were I had goals, vision, and faith, and I changed it around a few years ago to faith being first. And faith is, is any... Any spiritual endeavor that you want to go into. I don't go down the, the dogma road of, of religion or politics. That's the best way to stay away from those two topics. But <laughs> faith, when I, say, when I say faith is number one on my list, I'm talking about enabling beliefs. You have to have enabling beliefs 
You have to believe and you have to have the faith in yourself that you can do this before you can have the goal and the vision become achievable. Because if you automatically, if the inner voice is already talking to you or you can't do that, then forget even seeing the vision because you've already, you've, you've already sabotaged yourself. The inner voice has brought you down. What we have to do is we have to build ourselves up. And we have, to, we have to have the small wins, Chris, right? You get small right. wins. If you get small wins, small wins add up to big, big change. Yep. So people, that's the thing with New Year's resolutions. People take too big <laughs> of a goal, and they, and they take too big of a goal. Instead of taking a small win, they, take, they try to go for this giant win. Well, let's right. try and break it down, everybody, into a smaller win. So that's the thing with the inner voice. If you can feed the inner voice small steps, positive wins, confidence-building aspects in your life, attributes that you can that you can fall back on well if i did this well of course i can do that and if i did this then i can do that and if i overcome this well then of course and if i can be more compassionate to people well maybe they'll be more compassionate in the world that's the way it works all of these small and you put these positive thoughts in your mind and all of a sudden magic i'm telling you everybody this stuff is real this stuff is so real it is unbelievable you help other people your life will get better. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. It's happened to me so many times now. I've given up on, I go with the gut instinct now of like, okay, yep, it's going to work. Yep, it's going to work. And the inner voice is just all there, Chris. It's all good, man. Yeah, I, you know, and so my first response to, uh, you know, Tracy is that it can build your fire, right? And it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, the, I, I'm having a brain fade right now, the Scottish hero Braveheart, Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's yep. like, right. You say you can't do it. Well, yeah. Well, watch out. Watch me. Yes. <laughs> right. It's, exactly. It's it, it can give you some of that, you know, that that inner drive. But a lot of times that, you know, that's what I did initially, and now I just you just know, and it's kind of what Tom just said. You just know inside that you got this, that you can do it. And what's really fun though is that um, a lot of times we don't talk about this when it doesn't work out something better is usually there right there's another one door, door closes that and always reopen ha- it has mm-hmm. happened over and over again but the point is and tom just said this is to try right right because if you don't try you're not even going to get to that other door you're not even going to know it's there you have to you, take you know, that funny, first it's step. funny you guys say yeah. that it's funny you say that chris excuse me tracy but no, let's go ahead. chris you say that about the doors i have a slide that i use and i call it the adjacent possible and it's three doors. And so the adjacent possible is that thing that's through that one of those three doors. So go through one of the doors or it's a window of opportunity. It's the same thing. It's kind of right. where the thought process came from. It's the adjacent possible. What is the possibility that this could happen? Well, until you go through the door, you won't know. Right. And so you have to go through the door. You right. have to be able to risk and, and say, it's going to be okay, even if I fail. Mm-hmm. And what I think we have to remember, too, is so many times when you do fail, that's when you learn. When things are, you know, going perfectly well and everything falls into place, that's great. But you learn from those hiccups. And, and that's how you get to be a better person, too. Well, well that's, is, that's how you build resilience. Resilience right. is all through failure. I mean, if you build a resilient mindset by failing. 
And so failure can be a really good thing because as long as you keep trying and you keep trying new ways of doing things and you don't repeat yourself over and over and over, then the failure can turn into building a more resilient mind and your mindset changes. And all of this mindfulness stuff and mindset stuff that's out there, this stuff is the real deal, everybody. I mean, it's the real deal. So if you get your mind in the right place, you can do so many magical things. There is so much. The resources that are in the world are so numerous. The opportunity that is out there now with the Internet is so unbelievably great. I mean, look, at you're listening to a podcast. Five years ago, I was doing, I, I was starting when I started doing my thing. I had a meeting with some people, with some older adults, and a woman said, well, Tom, I don't, I, 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 I don't want to listen to your radio show at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. It's when we were on one station in West Michigan. And I said, well, you can always listen to the podcast. And she said, what's a podcast? That was five <laughs> years ago. I mean... Now, look at this. Right. Everybody right. has, and, and the thing is, is I'm filtering through the podcast myself. And find the time in your day and set up your schedule and get it going and get the routine happening. Because once you establish a routine and you make small changes to increase your viability, your training, your food, your sleep, your relationships, everything gets better. Because... Hey, you know, I, I try to channel my OCD-like behavior into the good things now, and believe me, it works. I don't, I don't use the, I don't do the bad things anymore, thank goodness. And now we talk about how we help people get better with this stuff, and it's just liberating. I mean, it's just, it's, it's liberating. Well, I loved something that you said, Tom, about um, planting those seeds. You mentioned it to Chris, and Chris, you were talking about that about your son. Somehow he he has gotten that in his head that he can do this. And so when he's going through a tough thing at the hospital and whatever, you, I mean, I think you're a great parent anyway. And of course, Ellie rocks it, but yes, <laughs> yes, she, does. she probably wins the medal here. But no, you both do because your son has gotten that from somewhere. And and I think it's so important, not only for our children, but um, to help plant those seeds in other people. And so often we think it in our head, but we don't take the time to say it. Yeah. And I've, I've been on a, a mission lately. If I'm thinking somebody about somebody and, you know, wishing them well, or, you know, I know that they're starting a new job or they're whatever, you know, if you can reach out and just that little bit of push to say, hey, I know you got this, you know, you're, you're going to totally rock it, whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a big, long pep talk, but just knowing that people um, are behind you and it's so encouraging. And then, then our little inner voice starts to say, yeah, of course I've got this and I can do it. So I think the more we can plant seeds of encouragement and, and that strength in other people and particularly in our children, but that kind of goes without saying, but I mean, but we if need we to care take the about time. People, if we care about people, if we care about our communities, if we care about our cities, our states, our universities, our country, other people, if we care, things can get better. If you don't care, then maybe you need to get around people that do, because mm-hmm. then maybe you can change and you can flip those people, because you want to find that top 20, that 80, that 80, 20 Pareto principle thing, you know, where you find that, that top <laughs> right. 20 people. But you want to flip the people around. And so the more you help other people, the more you care, the more you can plant those seeds, Tracy, the more that you can reap the bounty that will come your way. Because 
it will I, I said this earlier it will it will happen it, it's been happening for me i'm just a regular guy who has gone through some stuff and just keep pushing and enjoying it and life is really really good and i mean i'm talking to you on your podcast now chris and this is so great that i have a relationship with you and tracy and Tracy's a Spartan, and I'm a Spartan, and, <laughs> and Chris is not. No. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Dr. Chris Cook. Did, I, I'd like to. I'd like to turn the table and ask Chris Cook something now. As a as a non traditional student, how would you encourage people that are out there that are on the fence about going back to school? How do you encourage people? What do you do? Because I know you took your time with this stuff. You were in right. the military, and so. What are some of the tips you could give? Because that's caring for other people. That's planting seeds, going back to school. What would you What would you suggest? Learning never stops, right? That, in, especially in your jobs, that mm-hmm. if you stop learning, you stop moving. You stop mm-hmm. moving up, and it's kind of it's kind of like uh, when you're out in the middle of an ocean, and life is like that, right? It's got its ups and its downs. It's got its waves, and if you just are treading water or just laying on your back, what's going to happen? Basically, mm-hmm. the currents of life are going to sweep you away. You have to start swimming, and mm-hmm. that's what's learning to me. Learning is the swimming in life, and if you don't know how to swim correctly or if you stopped learning, you stopped swimming, you're now at the mercy of everything else around you. So context matters more than, context matters more than you. Environment matters more. And I think you know, one of the reasons I got into education and left consulting and left is I think that education is that boat, is that paddleboard, is that key to get you through on the ocean of life and to swim in places that you want to swim. You want to go to those clear, beautiful waters? You get yourself there, and that's what education, that's what learning's about. And so no matter what age you're at, you know, I, I, I hope to go back for another degree. Mm-hmm. I hope my wife's not listening. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I, I want to interject makes a difference. here. But, but not everybody has to get another degree. No. You can still Take class. be a learner. Yes. We, we always laugh. I'm a learner. Because you can. there's classes everywhere. Yes. They're online. They're at universities. Yep. They're at your libraries, your local libraries. I mean, there's all kinds of learning. Yes. And learning a foreign on. language, too, is key. Right. And you can learn that on your own. There's many programs. And one of the things and the reason I say that now is that neuroscience has finally caught up to that way of thinking that you used to be thought about 10, even yeah, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that as you got older, you had less, you know, synapses and less brains. That's not true. It's neuroplasticity. No matter what age you're, you're going, you can create new bridges. You can create new synapses, but you have to learn different things. Not learn the same thing over and over again because you're using the same neural pathways, the same neural synapses. But if you're learning something new, and this is why I love learning different languages, because they also give you a different perspective on the world. Just as a real simple example, Mm -hmm. learning Estonian and Chinese, they tell time differently. When we say, what's a way of saying 5.30? We say half past five, right? Right. In Estonian and in Chinese, you say 30 minutes to six. If it's 5.15, you don't say quarter past five. You say it's 45 minutes to six. Always looking forward. Always. And it gives you a different perspective. And Mm -hmm. so when you're talking with people and when you're having interactions with other people, having those little perspectives on their way they're seeing the world, it can help you bridge chasms. It can help you build problems. So learning for me was always, do I want to keep swimming? Do I? And if if you want to be in the waters of life, Right? And you want to go anywhere you want. 
I think you're right, Tracy. It doesn't have to be another degree, Ellie. Um, it, <laughs> it can be it can be taking classes and, and learning a, another language, um, whatever it is, or learning new math if you didn't get to math in uh, time. Um, right? That there are different ways of doing it, and it helps you see the world differently, and it, and it and it gives you new opportunities. And I would go back to Tom. It gives you adjacent um, possibilities. It gives you new doors because when you're in a classroom new opportunities inevitably open up, not necessarily with the professor, but with the Other people. Students, yes, right? right there, because through discussions. Mm-hmm. So those adjacent doors could literally be right next to you, adjacent to you. Right? And, and that's the fun about learning. You know, tonight we have a uh, Compassion Book Club at Brookfield Library, right? And I have people in there I don't normally see except for that book club, and we're learning from each other. We're doing Oliver Sacks' uh, Musicophilia, about the power of music on the brain in a compassion book club right and and so and that was voted on by the by the members so i'm learning from them about how they're seeing compassion and so it's never ending and i think if you want to keep going tom mine is that it it was a way to keep swimming the way to keep you know going to new adventures Um, it was a key to unlock a door and that's what books are for me as well they're new keys for me to see life and and Tracy gets to see me I have magazines out or <laughs> books out and it's always something new and different and and there's a question I wanted to ask ask you cuz we never talked about this and 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 for listeners Tom and I we just throw questions at each other um, it's kind of <laughs> like good. what Tracy and I do um <laughs> constantly <laughs> um but I've noticed something Tom over the last week it's is building up this conversation with you I've been reading more and more articles and now new books coming about about the end of life, but not about the end of life, just for, you know, the, um, what do you call the Supreme seniors? Um, superior. 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 <laughs> so they're the 85 plus. Is that the. Yes. 86, 86 and higher. Yep. Okay. And yep. so, but also, you know, what's your work is really cool is this intergenerational dialogue that you have going, which is really just phenomenal to me. And, so we've lost young people too, right? At the end of life. Mm-hmm. And it, none of us get out of this game of life alive, right? And so, you know, there's these exit strategies that, that we should have. And, and for me, I think compassion is, is the key. So, you know, if there's the last moment on, on, on earth, you know, I want to be able to look back and, and say, you know, I've done the best I can. And I've given my boys and I've given everyone else around me everything I possibly could. But what are you seeing as um, ways of leading a life that allows people to gracefully, to positively embrace that end of life? Is there something or are you seeing a trend or seeing a pattern? Or, or I know some people who are just scared to die. They're just, they're just absolutely afraid. And I know of other people who you know, literally looked up at me. I can see her right now. And said I love you and thank you for everything you've done and made me you know cry and 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 want her back more but she just gracefully you know accepted everything that was in front of her she was so brave and yet I seen these big men just totally be fearful of that that last moment um is there something there that you're seeing or and I didn't ask Tom any of this he doesn't even know I'm throwing this at him this is pretty heavy heavy no, question I got an answer I got an answer for you there partner I'm ready for you man I'm ready all right how about this one you say scared to die I say scared to live uh, I say people are scared to live that's a great 
That's a great, that Mm -hmm. is a great answer. And, and what do you mean by that? What I mean is if you're, if you embrace life, if you really are out there putting yourself out there, doing the things that you can to give yourself the better odds of living that most potentially filled life that you can, then you're living your life that I'm not afraid of life. I'm embracing all of the challenges, all of the setbacks, all of the things that come along in life, and I'm using those I'm using those as catalysts to leverage the future. So anything that happens in the past, you look to the future, you leverage those for the future. I'm not afraid of life. What I want to do is I want to embrace life and I want to see the beauty of life because when my time comes, I'll know. And here's the whole thing, everybody, and we can leave it with this. But when you know that you have given it your best effort on anything that you do, anything, school, dancing, working out, eating better, treating your kids right, doing it right financially, not doing the bad things. When you've given it your best, best effort, and you know deep down you got nothing to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the way I'm going to leave this world is because I'm embracing everything that's happening. I know that every day is a gift. Every single day is a gift. And so embrace, the, embrace your life. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be scared of dying. Don't be scared of your life. Embrace it. Grab onto it. And, and just milk it for everything that you can and get rid of all of the stuff that's bringing you down and making you feel good and embrace that life. Do not be scared to live. I love What it. a way to end. Tom Matt, <laughs> Boomer's Rock. Tell us again, Tom, where uh, the listeners can find you. They can send an email if they want, if they have a problem with any, anything or they want to give me some topics that they'd like me to talk about because I've got all these different categories. Tom at Boomer's Rock. .us is my email, and our website is boomersrock.us. Very easy. Facebook is Boomers Rock. And, uh, you know, I have a full-time job, so we do all of this stuff on the side. That's the thing, everybody. Get busy with your side game because the side game will expose you. I mean, a side game, look at you, Chris. You're doing this new – this podcast blows up. Now, all of a sudden, you're on radio. Now, you're doing podcasts. Now, you're writing more books. Now, you're doing more in your classroom. Now you're experiencing, and you can share the knowledge. So work on the side game. Work on the transitional plan. Don't be a typical man that's 55, 60 years old and hasn't thought about a plan because you're so busy working for the last 30, 40 years that you're on that that carousel of life. Start thinking about that exit strategy. Start thinking about leveraging the past for the future and giving back, and and you can embrace your life. Do not be afraid to live. Tom, thank you so much for being a great guest today. And, you know, I know we're out of time today, but maybe we can uh, circle back another time. I think we're going to have to. Yeah, that would be great. Really appreciate it. And, of course, I have to leave it with Ghost Spartans then. (laughs) But thank you. Yeah, you know it. So, Tracy, when I was talking after, after we talked, he's like, you know, you and your sons and your wife, you're out here. You're going to a Michigan Spartan football game, right? He he was oh, all. He goes, you're going to like it. He goes, I'm going to figure out a way. He was all into this. Cause I have a feeling he's, you know, he is that brave heart, that green and white. Yeah. Right? yeah. We don't have football oh, yeah. like that out here. I, I have to say, it's very different in the Midwest. They know how to do football right. 
They do. Oh, I tell you, we 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 take our we take our Big Ten football very yes, seriously. Yes, we do. And come in the fall, and I want to get you on the sideline and get some pictures. So let's make this happen. <laughs> let's do the it. Red, the Red Cedar River. The Red Cedar River runs right through the middle of our campus. It's the most beautiful place on earth, and it's like working at Central Park. I mean, and I've never been to New York, but I'll tell you what. I've had people tell me that Michigan State University's campus is like this this Oz-like place, and it really is. It's just, it is. It's just fabulous. It's I can tell you love it. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> I love it so much. It's absolutely. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Really My appreciate pleasure. it. It was awesome to have you on, and hopefully we'll do it again. So I do Let's have do to again. say um, that we actually, speaking of doing blowing it again, <laughs> yeah, and blowing up, you can now find us on um, any of your favorite podcast channels at the Compassionate Achiever podcast now. So um, we are still on WCSU Media, but we now really, have our own feed. We are, have our own feed, and not that we're, you know, departing from the university at all, but um, definitely look for us now at the Compassionate Achiever podcast uh, on any of your favorite podcast channels. And we hope, and that would be Tracy, Tom, and I. <laughs> That you have tools today that could unleash the compassion achiever within you so that you can unlock success. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again. Take care, Tom. Bye now. Bye-bye.